Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. And with that, I'm going to pass it off to Levi. Thank you, Mikey. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's good to be here. I hope you're having a great time already. Um, Welcome for those of you who are joining us online. Everybody say hello. Hello. Yeah, see, so there's real people here. You can't see them, but there's real people here. So Jesus had this uh, sort of strange interaction. At least when I read it, it's strange. In Luke chapter 17, uh, he is walking along with his disciples. It seems to be the scene. And as Jesus often does, he just sort of introduces a topic. And as his disciples often do, they just sort of misunderstand where Jesus is going. And as Jesus often does, he just redirects them in the direction that they should be going. You see a lot of times when Jesus is interacting with his disciples is that they ask a question and then he teaches them about the question that they should have really been asking about. It's like rabbi jujitsu. And so we're gonna see a little bit of that in this story. So Luke chapter 17, starting in verse three, Jesus says, if another believer sins, rebuke that person, and if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Could you imagine a scenario where somebody screws up in the same way seven times in one day? At what point would you get sick and tired of that? And be a long ways away from a forgiving spirit. Well, in Jewish culture, it was considered to be highly noble to do this up to three times. And then Jesus comes along and blows everybody's minds and says seven times, really saying, there's not a limit on this thing. It's about the condition of your heart. So Jesus is talking about forgiveness He is challenging his disciples to this incredible level of forgiving other people. And we see the disciples' response. It says, the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And there's one of two possibilities, probably more, but I think these would be the top two as to why the disciples respond in this particular way. One is that they have sensed the gravity of what Jesus is asking them to do. And they have decided 
that they need supernatural help. In order to be the spiritual superstar that God is calling them to be, they are going to need supernatural help. They cannot do this on their own. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that they haven't been listening very well to Jesus. They haven't been understanding what the priority should be. And so they're asking about something they're more interested in. They're walking along with their rabbi and they've got a list of questions that they wanna ask Jesus. If you had the opportunity to walk with Jesus, I'm sure you would have a list of questions as well. These disciples have experienced extraordinary things as they have followed Jesus. They've seen amazing things happen. They have participated themselves in extraordinary things. And they are very interested in the extraordinary. And so they want to know how to increase their faith so that they can continue to have extraordinary experiences. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. Um, Jesus does a couple of things here. He starts to answer their question and answers it to some degree, but he redirects them to the question that they should be asking. He re redirects them to the thing that they should be most concerned about. You see, the disciples are thinking that there are these levels of faith, and if I can increase my level of faith, then more extraordinary things can happen in my life. And Jesus wants them to know right away that it is not a level of faith that he wants us to reach. And if we are at some level, there's not a, a next level of faith necessarily that he wants us to go for that needs to happen in order for God to do extraordinary things. But what is required is simply the presence of faith. That God is more concerned with the purity of the faith than he is with the extraordinary nature or the extraordinary extent of the faith. Then Jesus goes into this teaching that seems to have like no bearing at all. Like they were going down this path and Jesus just took a direct left turn and started talking about something else. See if you feel the same way when you hear this. Jesus says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. How many of you do want Jesus as a boss right now? I mean, I didn't see like employee appreciation day in there anywhere. 
And we were talking about forgiveness. This doesn't even seem to be what, like connected to what Jesus was originally talking about. We, we were having this conversation about forgiveness and then we're having this conversation about faith and then Jesus went all bad boss on us. What's going on? Well, like I said, Jesus is always doing this thing where he's redirecting people to what they should be thinking about and what the discussion really is about. And he's always sort of digging into the depths of our heart to really get at you know, the source of the problem or the source of the solution. And so he is getting into this with his disciples and he is trying to get them to understand that it's not about reaching some extraordinary level of faith so that you can do extraordinary things. It is about having a pure faith. It is about having a primary concern for being a servant, for fulfilling our role as servants. Um, how do you guys feel about a quote from Ambrose? Not a lot of excitement. I understand. Ambrose is, we, we call Ambrose a church father. That's because he uh, was one of the leaders of the church in the first uh, three centuries. And so he was a pre-Nicene church father. Russ is watching us online, so that's a shout out to Russ. So this is what Ambrose says about uh, this particular section. He says, know that you are a servant overwhelmed by very much obedience. You must not set yourself first because you are called a son of God, which is a high place. Grace must be acknowledged, but nature not overlooked. Jesus' point and Ambrose' point is that we should never forget our position as it relates to Jesus, that he is the master, he is the king, he is the Lord, and we are servants. And Jesus is rebuking his disciples here a little bit because they're getting a little bit too excited about having power and authority in the kingdom, in the spiritual realm. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought that was supposed to be a good thing. Aren't you supposed to be encouraging us? Towards that end, Ambrose goes on to say, do not boast of yourself if you have served well as you should have done. The sun obeys, the moon complies, and the angels serve. Let us not require praise for ourselves nor prevent the judgment of God and anticipate the sentence of the judge but reserve it for its own time and judge. Well, Jesus seems to think that there is a pathway to building our faith and that the pathway is very simple, it is very pure, and it has a lot to do with obedience, with being a servant. I think what he's saying is if you really want to build your faith, if you really want to see God do extraordinary things, you will dive into servanthood. You will 
leave behind personal ambition and you will step into kingdom ambition. Well, this isn't the first time Jesus has connected forgiveness and faith either. Maybe you've never thought of this before and you kind of have to look for it just a little bit. But Jesus connects forgiveness and faith on a variety of occasions. There's a variety of teachings throughout uh, the New Testament that are along these same lines. So Luke chapter 10, and starting in verse uh, 18, a little backstory here. Jesus has called his disciples together. He has anointed them with the Holy Spirit. He has given them authority to cast out demons to heal people who are sick and he has sent them out and they have gone around and they have touched people and those people who were sick were instantaneously healed. They have seen people who were demon possessed, you know, their head was spinning, their eyes were flipping, they were drooling out of their mouth. I'm just making that part up. But however it was that they identified that they were demon possessed, these men were put in a place by God to relieve people of those demons. So they're having these extraordinary experiences. And they return and they're celebrating with each other and they want to celebrate with Jesus that these extraordinary um, things have been done. Verse 18. Jesus just takes like a huge bucket of water and just douses out all of their excitement. And it just, it seems wrong. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Man, could you imagine Could you imagine having so many extraordinary spiritual experiences? Could you imagine experiencing God in so many amazing ways and then being told, "Eh, child's play? Not not really that big of a deal. Um, Now, this is from Jesus' perspective, right? So, like, having authority over evil spirits, that's just, like, not really even a thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, there was that. Yeah, okay. But what you really should be amazed at, what you really should be celebrating is the fact that God the Father has forgiven you. And because of my work on your behalf, you are going to experience eternal life, eternal fellowship with the Father. And now that, that is something. That is extraordinary. That is the thing that you should be focusing on and thinking about and rejoicing about. All this other stuff, you know, yeah, it's there. Okay. Another example, uh, Matthew 9. Jesus has somebody uh, brought to him on a mat, this invalid, this uh, crippled guy. And 
everybody knows what's supposed to happen because they've been hanging out with Jesus. They know he has these extraordinary powers. All he has to do is say, get up. And that man who's never walked before can now suddenly walk, full-featured walk, run, jump. And what does Jesus do? He walks over and says, your sins are forgiven. What? That's not why that guy's here. And that's not the show that people came to see. But that's what Jesus does. It's almost as though it's more important from Jesus' perspective for that guy to have his sins forgiven than for him to ever be able to walk again. Could you imagine? I mean, how disappointing would it be for that guy who's expecting healing? Oh, you're going to take me to Jesus. I finally got a couple of guys compassionate enough to carry me on my gurney over there so I can be healed. This is going to be awesome. And then he heard, your sins are forgiven? Uh... I'm sure he came around. I'm sure it helped that later on in the story, Jesus says, just so you know that I do have the authority to forgive sins, stand up and walk. And he did. Um, Mark 11 In verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. How many of you have heard that verse before? Probably a lot of us, right? Whenever we're talking about faith, this verse comes up. um, And it's kind of mind-blowing to think about this as a possibility. I don't think Jesus was being like sarcastic or, or figurative or symbolic, any of those things. I think he's just saying it the way it is. And if you have faith, there are really no limits. And if you think about it, it makes sense because faith is about trusting a God who is all-powerful. The reason, by the way, that... Um, Jesus is giving this teaching right here is because a few days earlier, or I think it was the, the previous day, he walked up to this fig tree. He was looking for a fig and it didn't have any figs on it and so he cursed the tree. And then the next day, they're coming by, the disciples notice that this same tree he cursed is withering from the root up, which is the opposite of how a tree would normally wither. And so they pointed out, and so we see obviously, or Jesus did this obviously to teach them this thing about faith. Why are we talking about all this this morning? Well, it could be that in your life, you desire God to move in some extraordinary way. That's pretty much always been the case in my life. I have always wanted God to move in some extraordinary way, either to get me out of a situation or to get me into a particular situation. And so it could be this might actually be important for your life and your spiritual journey. Jesus says, 
but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So there's a little bit of a challenge to faith. There's a little bit of a process of coming to a place of faith. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. So that kind of helps us understand what this type of faith is when we're praying and asking God to move on our behalf, coming to this place where we fully trust the heart of God to provide, coming to this place where we know that God will provide, coming to a place where we begin acting as though God has already provided. Now, this is where it gets interesting. I mean, if you weren't already interested in like having God move on your behalf. It says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. What? Jesus, we just saw you do this amazing, extraordinary miracle with this tree. You just told the tree to die, and the next day it did, but in reverse order. And we're, you just told us that we can pray and ask God to do anything on our behalf, and he will do it if we, if we get to the point of complete trust in him. That's awesome. Why are you bringing up this business about forgiveness? What is the deal? James, and since we're talking about faith, those of you who know your Bibles well are thinking we're going to go to James chapter 5, but we're not. We're going to James chapter 2. In verse 12, James says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. That's an entire sermon on its own. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. I know I'm going to step on some toes here about the doctrine of salvation. We can talk later to clarify some of these things. I can give you a variety of disclaimers. But just take this passage on its own for the moment. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. God is highly concerned about how we relate to other people in terms of whether or not we forgive them. Whether or not we extend mercy to them. Highly concerned. You could make the case that this is really the story. That Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have fellowship with each other and with God. And the primary thing that he wants us to do is to forgive each other regardless of what happens, regardless of how many times, regardless of what level of egregiousness has been committed against us so that we can have fellowship with each other and so that we can have fellowship with God. 
and that there's nothing more extraordinary in our experience of faith than having fellowship with God. It could be that that's kind of the whole story. Well, let's get a little closer to James chapter five. And let's go to James chapter four, verses two and three. James says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. For me, that often helps explain why God is not moving on my behalf. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that prayer was about me. That desire was ultimately about me, about my selfish desires and motives and ambitions. My heart wasn't in the right place. Apparently there is a connection actually between our heart being in the right place and God answering our prayers. And now we can move to James chapter five. In verse 14, James writes, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with the oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. But then there's this other part, which seems strange, unless we've talked about all we've talked about this morning. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. There it is again, this connection between faith, the miraculous, and forgiveness. He goes on, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What? Confession, healing, what is going on? It is about us getting our hearts in the right place. It is about us having a pure faith. It's not the level of faith that we have. It's how pure our faith is. It's whether or not our faith is pure. Jesus says, you, you don't need a lot of faith. You need something as tiny as a mustard seed, which is like, you know, sort of the smallest seed around. Very potent because it grows into this, you know, big old tree. But it's tiny. That's all you need. You just need a little bit of purity in there. You just need to have your heart in just a good place with God. You just need to be willing to extend mercy to anyone. Doesn't Jesus tell us that when we pray, we should pray that God would forgive us our sins? What? As we forgive those who sin against us. I mean, that's in the Lord's Prayer. That's like the Ten Commandments of the New Testament, right? I mean, that's, that is the stuff. And right there in the middle, like Jesus gave this simple prayer for us to pray. And right there is this place where we commit 
to extend mercy, to forgive. So, here are some things, hopefully, that um, we've connected with as we've gone through these different um, pieces. The first one is this, a servant's heart trumps superstardom. A servant's heart trumps superstardom. So if you're thinking, man, this person has incredible faith, look at all the extraordinary things happening in their life, how can I get there? Well, why don't you start by becoming a servant and just serving, just loving the people around you and see how God uses that. See how you experience God in that way. I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't know if you would happen to know who uh, David Livingston is, a uh, very famous missionary uh, from England in the 1850s, thereabouts. And uh, he was commissioned by the British government to sort of make a map of Africa. What they did not know is that they were paying to send a full-time missionary to Africa. And as he went around and charted for Great Britain, he was telling people about Jesus. David Livingston was not like, you know, a, a great faith healer or some like supernatural Christian. But he had an incredible amount of supernatural things happen in his life. For example, uh, there was a time when he had an abscessed tooth and hit, got to the point where it was so painful that he couldn't function. Not a lot of dentists in Africa at the time. But this guy shows up from America. He tracks him down, looking for David Livingston. And he gets introduced. They start talking. It turns out that this American who's come is a dentist and has his dental tools with him. And that God told him four months previous that he ought to travel to Africa and find David Livingston. That's just an example. Christian history is filled with all kinds of extraordinary things like that when people decide, I'm a servant of the Most High God. I am a servant of the King of Kings. I will serve him and I will serve the people around me. And that, that is the mustard seed of faith. To step into obedience, to step into a servant's heart and see what God will do. God is far more concerned about our connection to him than our contribution. It's possible that you have got the wrong idea in your minds. That God is concerned about your contribution with how much you do for him or for others or for the kingdom. And the disciples, I think, certainly got that wrong on a number of occasions. They thought it was about the number of people 
that they could minister to or the, the level that they could get to on behalf of the kingdom. But what does Jesus tell us? He tells us that the key is to be connected to the vine. It's all about being in fellowship with the Father. So this is my encouragement to you uh, that this week you will find a way to fellowship with the Father. If you've never done this before, you've never stepped into this before, uh, then simply ask, God, help me to experience you. And how do I need to step into obedience? What does that mean for me to step into what you are calling me to do? For those of us who have been uh, you know, doing this for a while, uh, perhaps we might revisit the condition of our heart, whether or not we really are adopting the servant's heart, whether or not we truly are extending mercy and grace and forgiveness to the people around us. And whether or not we are mostly concerned with our connection to God rather than our contribution. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. Your grace is beyond our comprehension. We pray, Lord, that you would help us respond to your grace, that we would celebrate that our names are written in heaven and that we would live lives that are worthy. Lord, that we would bring glory and honor to you as we are your servants. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you guys would please stand. Uh, from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and forever. Amen. All right, thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week, if not before. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.